I've got a fish story for you. I believe that we've all heard the phrase, smell, it smells fishy. And it refers to something questionable or suspicious, right? You'll say, man, that, that, that smells fishy to me. I don't know about that. You know, fresh fish has very little smell. But as the fish gets older, the more it smells. That's why it's pretty advisable to smell fish before you buy it. Because if it smells fishy, then the fish is probably older than the date advertised. So we would say in our vernacular today, anything that smells fishy ought to be avoided. We really don't want anything to do with that. And this morning in our text, we come across a fisherman and a fish. We come across this account here in the Word of God, and, and it's trying to, be a, to teach us some principles to live by. Today, to some, this might sound or smell fishy, this story, but, and it might be construed as a fisherman's story. You know, when a fisherman's really caught a fish that's this big, but he tells you that it was this big. You know, to some, it may seem that way that this is that type of story because you say, well, it's only really recorded in, and it is, it's only recorded in the book of Matthew, but just because it's only recorded there, nonetheless, it's still true. And it has a valuable lesson to be able to teach us. And it may seem a little bit odd to you this morning, but what we learn from this account in the life of Christ and in the life of Peter this is what we learn, is that submission to suffering and society can teach us to be good citizens, which will help point people to Christ. Amen. Submission to suffering and society will teach us to be good citizens, which will help point people to Christ. I'm having a problem with this mic. That's why I took that off, so hopefully it will stop clicking. I, it doesn't sound like it. So hopefully that won't be too much of a distraction for you. So we could say it this way. Submission to God and government. Submission to God and government will point people to the gospel. See, the main, the main subject in this portion of Scripture is submission. And I know that's not a word that many people like to hear, but it's something that needs to be developed and cultivated in our life if we are going to help point people to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's through the life of the Lord and Him submitting Himself to the Father, to God, and to the government that we see how if we do the same, we'll be able to encourage people to come to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want us to see this morning how submission to suffering in society can be implemented in our life, which will help point us or help point people to the gospel. Number one, if you're taking notes, Christ's submission to suffering 
We see this in verses 22 and 23. Take a look there with me, if you would, please, in verse 22. And while they abode in Galilee, Jesus said unto them, The Son of Man shall be betrayed into the hands of men, and they shall kill him, and the third day he shall be raised again. And they were exceeding sorry. Christ's submission to suffering. We see here, letter A, submission to the Father. Submission to the Father. Jesus is now in Galilee with his disciples, and he is taking some time with them privately to train them. And Christ is focusing in on the 12 here uh, more than anyone else. And what you would find if you read the book of Matthew, you'll find from Matthew chapter 17 and verse 14 all the way through Matthew chapter 20 and verse 34, you will find in these four chapters that Jesus is teaching a whole series of lessons. And he's teaching a whole series of lessons to these 12 disciples in, in order that they would know how to live. Jesus is getting ready to be removed out of, the, out, of, out of the world here. He's getting ready to go back to his father. And so Jesus is taking time to invest even more so into the 12 to be able to teach them how to live. They're going to know how to act. They're going to know how to respond to what goes on. And what you'll find in these four chapters is that Jesus teaches them a, a great deal of different lessons. He teaches them about faith. He teaches them about humility. He teaches them about how to handle offenses. He teaches about discipline and forgiveness. He teaches about marriage and divorce. He teaches about children, wealth, and compassion. He teaches about rewards and leadership. All these and more are packed into these four chapters from chapter 17, verse 14, all the way through chapter 20, verse 34. It's really an intense time of teaching for Jesus, an intense time of learning for the disciples. And one of the topics that Jesus covers is the topic that we have here today. It's the topic of submission. What we see is, first of all, we see that Jesus is once, once again reminding his disciples about his coming death, his suffering and his death. And he, he uses his coming death to be able to teach his disciples about being submitted, but being submitted unto the Father. And I want you to notice, first of all, I want you to understand something here. And turn over to John chapter 10, that Jesus was in total control of his life. That his death did not catch him by surprise. His pending death wasn't, oh, I didn't know this was coming. Take a look at John chapter 10, if you would, and verse 11. The Bible says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Jesus' coming death was not a surprise to him. Take a look at verse 15, if you would, of John chapter 10. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Take a look at verses 17 and 18 of John chapter 10. Therefore doth my father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my father. See, his pending death was not a surprise to him. Jesus was in total control of his life. But not only does that teach us that his pending death was not a surprise to him, he was willingly submitted unto the Father, but it also teaches us 
that he knew his purpose for which he came. Take a look in John chapter 3, if you would, please, because we see here Jesus not only knew that his death was certain, but he knew the reason for which he came. In verse 16 of John chapter 3, the Bible reads this way, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now take a look at verse 17. For God sent not his Son. Here's the purpose. For God sent not a son in the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So it's through the death of Christ we see not only his submission to the Father, but we see that it was no surprise to him and it was part of his purpose. Take a look at Mark chapter 10, if you would please. In verse 45, I'm, 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 I'm bringing all this to you to make a point. Mark chapter 10 and verse 45 We're seeing the purpose of Christ. Not only did he know about his pending death, but he understood his purpose. Mark chapter 10 and verse 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and here we go, and to give his life a ransom for many. See, Jesus knew why he came, and he knew his purpose. Now, this is key for us. Because this helps us, and this helps us to be submitted to the Father. If we know the purpose that God has for us, for our lives, it will help us to be submitted unto the Father. Have you, those of you who have kids or been around kids, when you ask them to do something, what is their one word, well, it could be one of two words. I'm not thinking of no. <laughs> you know, when you ask a kid and they say no, but, but, or yes, but, but usually, yes, there you go. Why? Uh, you ever, well, I, I need you to do this. Well, why? Well, because, and you try and explain it to them, or sometimes you just say, because mommy said so, or because daddy said so. But why? Because I said so. But why? When you're able to give a purpose behind it, it does help. But we understand that with children, you can't always give a purpose. Sometimes they just need to be obedient in order to be obedient. And we need to learn that, and, and we expect that. Now, God expects that from us as well. So just as we would expect that from children, sometimes we can't tell them why. God expects that from us as well when he doesn't tell us why. And actually, he does tell us why on all accounts. He tells us, my thoughts are not like your thoughts. My ways are not like your ways. You can't understand me. That's the reason for your, that's the answer for your why. <laughs> okay? But then sometimes, God does give us a, a, even a greater picture of the why. And when you and I understand what our purpose is, why am I here it's a whole lot easier for us to be submitted unto the will of the Father no matter what comes our way. Jesus is facing impending death. He's, in facing, he's facing impending death and he's willingly being submitted unto the Father. He knew his purpose. He knew the reason that he came to this earth. He knew what he was here to do and he did that and so he was submitted unto the Father. When you and I know our purpose... We're also 
a whole lot more likely to be submitted unto the Father. I want you to turn over to 1 Corinthians because I'm going to show you. I don't care. I'm not talking about specific will for your life, but I'm going to show you from the Word of God what every single person's purpose is this morning. This is your purpose, and this is my purpose. No matter, you say, Pastor, you don't understand my circumstance. Pastor, you don't know. It doesn't matter what your circumstance is. It does not matter what your background is. It doesn't matter uh, if you've had a privileged background or if you've had a very hard background. It doesn't matter if you're in debt today. It doesn't matter if you're divorced today. It doesn't matter if you have a great marriage today. It doesn't matter if your kids are sick today. It doesn't matter if your kids are healthy today. It doesn't matter if you have a job. It doesn't matter if you don't have a job. It does not matter. Do you get the point? So it doesn't matter where you're at. Nobody's exempt from this. This is your purpose. This is the purpose for every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And now take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all, do all, do all to the glory of God. That's your purpose. So now, no matter whether you would be facing impending death or impending victory, you are to do all to the glory of God. So this afternoon, how am I supposed to live, Pastor? I'm to live to the glory of God. Tomorrow morning when I go to work, how am I supposed to live, Pastor? I have a really horrible boss. I am to live to the glory of God. And pastor, things aren't so great at home. How am I, what am I supposed to do? You're to live to the glory of God. But pastor, you don't understand how those people are treating me and what they've done to me. You are to live to the glory of God. You are to be submitted unto the Father. That is what we are to do. And one of the ways that we show our submission unto the Father is to give him glory through our life. So this is the main purpose for every believer in Christ. Everything is to God's glory. I want you to turn back to our text in Matthew chapter 17. And I want you to see a word in verse 22 of Matthew chapter 17. Because this is where we see Christ's admission to the Father. Verse 22, and while they abode in Galilee, Jesus said unto them, the Son of Man shall be betrayed into the hands of men. If you're in the habit of marking your Bible, you might want to circle that word betrayed or highlight that word betrayed. This word has two implications, and it's my two subpoints: submission to the Father and submission to man. It has two implications in this word, submission to the Father and submission to man. Submission to the Father is seen in what the word betrayed means. 
It means to be handed over or delivered. Turn over to Luke chapter 9 and verse 44. This is the reason we're called Open Bible. If you're a guest with us, we like to use the Bible. The reason we like to use the Bible is because man's words really don't matter, but God's word does matter. It doesn't matter what I have to say. As a matter of fact, uh, last week, and I'm, I'm glad that the Lord just brought this to my mind, last week I made a verbal error when I was preaching. I sent out a text, but maybe you didn't get the text. I said that the, the man, when we were speaking about in the previous section, we preached through different sections of the Bible and expositionally. So if you're watching on Facebook Live or you're watching this later on, on YouTube, the week before, I mentioned that the man never asked Jesus to have compassion on himself, only on his son. And I had read the, the, the corresponding passages to check to make sure that that was right, and I still missed it. But in Mark, it says that the, the father said to Jesus, have compassion on us. That's why I've told you before, if what I said doesn't line up with the book, you stick with what the book has to say and you throw out what I have to say. Why? Because the book is what is most important. That's what's most important. And so I'm glad that we have people here that, that open up the Word of God, whether it's on your iPhone, iPad, or, or in the physical Bible. It's important. I love to be able to hear those pages turn. But we see here in the Word of God, this word here betrayed in Luke chapter 9, verse 44. This is the same word. Look at Luke chapter 44. Let these sink down into your ears, for the Son of Man shall be delivered into the hands of men. 56 times of the 121 times this Greek word is used, it's translated delivered. This is the exact same word that's translated in our text, betrayed. 36 times of the 121 times the word betrayed is used. Turn over to Luke, if you would, please. Chapter 2, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2. You say, well, then why did the translators or, or uh, those that, that, that translated put it, the word betrayed instead of delivered? Because of the implications from the text. It's trying to teach us. Matthew's going at this a little bit in a little bit different uh, angle. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 23. Him being delivered by the determined counsel... Acts 2.23, him being delivered by the determined counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Don't turn there for lack of time, but you can write this down. Romans chapter 8 and verse 32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? My point is that the Father delivered up Jesus to be crucified. Jesus was submitted to the will of the Father. This is something that is echoed throughout the Old Testament and, and that, that the reference of God delivering someone into the hands of an enemy. It's kind of hard for us to be able to fathom in our own mind that the Father would deliver up the Son to be killed. Think of you, uh, with your children. 
Would you be willing to deliver up your children to die for somebody else? I don't think any of us in here would. Or your grandchildren? I, I don't think any of us here would. But the point is that God loved us so much that he willingly delivered up his son for us. Matter of fact, it wasn't just for us. It was people that didn't want anything to do with his son. It's one thing if somebody said, well, I, I'm not going to deliver up my, my child for, to die for somebody else, let alone for people that hate my child. That's exactly what the father has done for us. You cannot... You cannot plumb the depths of God's love for his people and being willing to deliver up his son for us. Take a look in Numbers chapter 21 because this is the same idea where God delivers up an enemy into the hands of a conqueror. Numbers chapter 21, if you would please. Take a look at verse 2. Numbers chapter 21 and verse 2. And Israel vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, If thou wilt indeed deliver this people into my hand, then I will utterly destroy their cities. And the Lord hearkened to the voice of Israel and delivered up the Canaanites, and they utterly destroyed them and their cities, and he called the name of that place Hormah. Take a look at verse 34 of that same chapter. And the Lord said unto Moses, Fear him not, for I have delivered him into thine hands and all his people and his land, and thou shalt do unto him as thou did unto Shion, king of the Amorites, which dwelt in Heshbon. The point is, this is exactly, just as God the Father delivered up the enemies into the hands of, of the Israelites, God the Father delivered Jesus Christ into the hands of men. He was delivered over to his enemies. Alistair Begg said this. He said, Jesus was delivered to death. Uh, Jesus was delivered up to death in order that we might be delivered from death. It's a great quote. Jesus was delivered up to death in order that we might be delivered from death. So Jesus was submitted to the Father. He was submitted to the will of the Father when he knew that there was certain death and God was going to hand him over into the hands of wicked men. He willingly submitted. Why? He knew his purpose. He knew why he came. He knew the reason that he was placed here on earth. But not only was Jesus submitted to the Father, we see here this morning that Jesus was submitted to man, the submission to man. This word, betrayed, also has the implication that Jesus would be handed over to the power of mere men. Jesus would be handed over to the power of mere men. I want you to think about this. The creator was being handed over to his creation. The creator was being handed over to his creation. Take a look, if you will, in Mark chapter 9. We see not only was Jesus submitted to the Father, I hope that you are in agreement with me 
When I say that I'm thankful that Jesus was submitted to the will of the Father. Because now we have salvation. See how submission to the will of the Father can help point people to the gospel. And if you're glorifying God in your life, no matter what's coming into your life, and people start looking at you and saying, what is so different about you? How are you handling this situation the way that you're handling it? Now you're able, that's a prime opportunity. Now you're able to point them to Christ. He was submitted unto the will of the Father, but he was also submitted unto the will of men. Mark 9, 31. For he taught his disciples and said unto them, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of men and they shall kill him and after that he shall be after that he is killed he shall rise the third day this is mark's account of the very beginning of the narrative the last part verses 24 through 27 that's the part that's only mentioned in the book of matthew and mark uses the word delivered or handed over matthew uses the word shall be betrayed Now, I don't want to go too deep, but what this means is it's a passive verb. And we're not going to have an English class here, but it's a passive verb, and that's important. And the reason that that's important is because it means a passive verb. That verb betrayed, it means that somebody will hand him over. Somebody physically will hand him over. And this is the first suggestion of being of Judas being the culprit in the betrayal and that's why it's translated the way it is in this verse because the implication now take a look back at our text in verse 23 and it says and they shall kill him and the third day he shall be raised again and they were exceeding sorry The verse says that they shall kill him. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 23, which we've already read, I won't have you turn there, but it says, him being delivered by the German council and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken him by wicked hands, have crucified and slain. What does he say? Ye have taken. How did they take him? Because he was delivered over. Ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified him. Now, you know what we're seeing right here? Here's Here's a great doctrine. In this one verse, actually in these two verses, but you're seeing, especially in Acts chapter 2 and verse 23, you're seeing the sovereignty of God and the free will of man. You're seeing that that God is in control, but man is making a choice. You're seeing that God knew exactly what was going to happen, but man enacted that choice. You say, how do you correspond those two things, Pastor? You can't. That's where you just have to trust God. You can't explain the sovereignty of God. But let me tell you something. Did God deliver over? Did God deliver over Jesus to be crucified? Yes. Did man betray him? Yes. Did wicked men slay him? Yes. See, what we see is that, what we see in the the submission of Jesus to men is that Jesus was facing the end of his life in submission to man, but it was not the end of the matter. 
Jesus was facing the end of his life in submission to man, but it was not the end of the matter. You need to remember that. I need to remember that. No matter where you find yourself, you say, Pastor, I'm going to be submitted to God. I'm going to glorify him in my life. Now, wait a second. If you're going to be submitted to God, then you have to learn how to be submitted to man. You say, but wait a second, Pastor. Thus and so, or this person is doing this to me, my, my co-worker, my boss, my, my uh, 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 husband or wife, whatever the case may be, put any person in there you want. Listen, though it was the end of Jesus' life, it was not the end of the matter. God was still in control. Listen, if your purpose is to glorify God and be submitted unto him, it does not matter what man does to you. It might be the end of that situation, but it is not the end of the matter. God will still be victorious in the situation. In some respects, we are invincible because we're in Christ. No one or nothing can come against us unless Christ allows it. And though it may mean the end of our life, it is not the end of the matter. If someone today, God forbid, were to come in and to do something horrible to us and maybe take some lives, the simple fact of the matter is it may be the end of a person's life, but it is not the end of the matter. Why? Because one day we're going to be resurrected. It's not the end of the matter. Well, how do you know that? Because what does our text say? He shall be raised again. You know what I find very interesting? That Jesus willingly submitted to the Father and to men. In a sense, he was passive. In a sense, he was passive in this whole incident. What do you see? You see in Acts chapter 4, in verse 10, Be it known unto you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. In Acts chapter 5 and verse 30. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. See, now listen. Somebody betrayed him. Somebody else killed him. And yet somebody else raised him from the dead. It might have been the end of his life, but it was not the end of the matter. If you and I are going to be able to point people to the Lord Jesus Christ, we have to be willing to be submitted in the midst of suffering. Submitted to the Father and submitted to man. How can I do that? How can I do that? I can do that because I understand my purpose. My purpose is to glorify God. We've heard it said before that Jesus could have called down 10,000 angels and he could have been released from the cross. Well, let me tell you something. Jesus didn't need 10,000 angels to be released from the cross. He was God in the flesh. If he wanted to get down off that cross, he could have got down off that cross. But he didn't. 
You want to know one of the reasons why? You're looking at him. You want to know another reason why? I'm looking at you. But the ultimate reason was because he wanted to glorify the Father. He willingly submitted himself. What is God asking you in your life? What's he asking you to do to be submitted to? See, folks, if, if we're known in the workplace or wherever we're at or the, the store or wherever we're going about our life, we're known as the agitator, the one that's always stirring up, the one that's always complaining, the one that's always... But Pastor, you just don't understand. No, I do understand. I understand that our purpose is to glorify God, even in the midst of very difficult circumstances. And I'm just wondering if it could be said of the people of Open Bible Baptist Church that because they glorify God so much in their life, they are willingly, they are willingly submitted unto the will of the Father and unto the will of man. That they would be able to point people to Christ. Jesus is trying to teach us a lesson through his own life. Now, it's not easy, but it's right. So let me ask you, are you willing to be submitted? Pastor, I I just don't understand why. I know. At least I can give you one thing. You can use this to glorify God. But Pastor, you don't understand how bad it is. You can use this to glorify God. Pastor, you don't understand how hard it is. You can use this to glorify God. And in doing so, you'll be able to point people to Christ. Christ.